This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. A very good Friday morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Open for Business. Langi Collective promotes unique and heirloom agriculture produced by smallholder farmers from East Malaysia to larger markets. Sourced directly from farmers and procured a fair price, a minimum of 35% of the retail proceeds go directly to the farmers. They also curate international expansion trips to these villages to bring consumers further upstream to understand and appreciate the artistry that goes into the planting and production of these quality products. I'm here with two of the four co-founders, Chan Ziziang and Lilian Chen. Good morning. Good morning. And I know you also have some other names, but we'll talk about that in just a moment. I want to know how the four city kids from Peninsula, Malaysia, end up doing this in the heartland of Sarawak. Um, I'll say it's a quarter-life crisis. Okay. <laughs> All four of us came from a very different background, obviously. And uh, back in 2015, uh, sorry, 2013, we had a bit of a quarter-life quarter crisis and decided to join a non-profit organisation. And that's when we started travelling to a lot of rural areas in Sabah and Sarawak specific, uh, working on uh, community projects like uh, basic water mm. projects. And this is also when we actually started to discover many, many uh, agriculture products that is really good quality, but mm. no one knows about it. Right. And uh, farmers are planting it sustainably as well. Mm. Uh, and so in 2015, we decided maybe let's try and see if we can bring this out of the village and to a wider market. And hopefully we can create a better um, uh, income for our farmers okay. and incentivize them to continue okay. their work. So Lily, what, what were you doing before this? I, I was a chiropractor. A chiropractor, okay, <laughs> all right. And for you, uh, Zen? I was an actuary, yeah. Okay, okay. I call you Z, right? Yep. I call you yep. Z. So you're an actuarist. Yeah. Wow, okay, big change. And the other two co-founders? Uh, Melissa was a producer for advertising firm mm. and uh, Yong Ling, who was our previous uh, co-founder, he's, he was a graphic design. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how, what were the uh, ch challenges uh, you're saying to give them an income? So what was happening before um, in terms of how they're earning their income? Prior to that, um, they will have to physically bring their rice down uh, to the nearest town, which is Lawas, to sell. Mm. And uh, obviously, when it's a high period, the market price fluctuates very, very uh, drastically. And uh, it doesn't guarantee them an income that can even cover their, their logistics okay. to bring down all the rice. So sometimes they have to sell it at a loss. And uh, because of that, a lot of farmers rather not selling it mm. because you know, you're incurring a loss rather than getting a, a profit or even break even out of it. And therefore, they, they just keep their rice and sometimes they just feed it to their livestock. Okay. Uh, and when we were there, we discovered there's that issue um, and... I guess that that is a point where we think that maybe there's a room for solution mm. and that's where we came in. Okay, so interesting because people know, can you say highland rice or heirloom rice, right? But people would just think of barrio, but actually it's the whole highlands, right? So, um, you know, and, and, and the, uh, tell me about the rice. Is it, is it more superior than other kinds of rice? Well, it I look at the actress slash farmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely has a very unique characteristic. So we are talking about in terms of texture, in terms of aroma. And when we were up in the highlands, when we first uh, tasted this, we were quite surprised mm. and, and were quite shocked, to be honest, that hey, actually Malaysia actually produces this mm. and how come nobody knows about them? I mean, yes, you talk about barrio rice and it's still a type of white rice, you know, a particular grain. But we are talking about red rice, mm. black rice, and then 
uh, even within red rice, there are different types of red rice, different types of black rice. And then when they made dishes, they were specific rice for specific dishes. And we we're like, God, like they're connoisseurs, like, you know, yeah. they really know their rice. Right. And this was just not available to us. And, and we, and we didn't know about them. But the taste was distinct enough that, you know, at the end of a, a, a trip in, in the village, when we're eating this rice every day, when we came out, it's like, God, what's this? Like, is this rice? Like, mm. it, it tastes nothing like yes. what we had in, in the village. Yes. Yeah. And I think over the years, um, we start to make like very uh, deliberate comparisons. Mm. And, and we found that, hey, actually... Um, it is pretty unique. Mm. It is pretty unique. It has very unique characteristics. And when it's being put into culinary usage, especially in the hands of some very adept um, chefs, mm. it turns into some very interesting stuff. Speaking of adept chefs, right? <laughs> of course, your rice is being supplied to Dewakan, our recently, you know, Michelin, one-star Michelin restaurant. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you guys go there, you know that, you know, it's from the best and they're from Langit Collective. Um, okay, so what would you say would be your milestones in the last, what, now seven, in more than seven years? Um, actually, we, we started um, full-time in 2018. Okay. Yeah, but prior to that, it was really just, you know, filling out and trying to, to figure out the supply chain and getting to know people on the ground. Uh, so, yeah, we, we truly into operation and scale was 2018. 2018. Yeah. So what have been the milestones, though, in the, in the, the years you've been involved? Uh, I would say the biggest milestone so far is the milling facility that mm. uh, we managed to raise fund and build in the village itself. Uh, it, it was it is a necessity because we had a lot of issues with uh, quality uh, checks okay. and also uh, wastage because farmers uh, were milling it themselves mm. and uh, hand. Uh, no, they, no, they do, do use machineries, machines, but okay. it's not as good quality. Mm. Um, and therefore, there are a lot of uh, wastage, about 50 to 60% of wastage. And therefore, we think that, you know, it's time for us to, to really fundraise and have a proper facility that we can help to reduce the wastage as well as increase the quality. Right. So I was looking at your website. You basically, you know, the people, the, the communities, you've helped three rural communities, nine villages, uh, 80 farmer partners, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, 500,000 ringgit in terms of payout to the farmers, right? So you were also saying um, in terms of the, the compensation that had to go, logistics, all these things. So right now you act as that person. Is, would you say you're not the middle person though? Well, you know, the thing is we are like a one-stop solution for rural farmers. You can mm. think about it that way. So uh, rural farmers are producers. They are, they are professionals in that. I mean... Uh, we may, we may call them traditional farming, but there are so many practices in this so-called traditional farming that it ticks all the right boxes of the most um, forefront in uh, conversations in regenerative farming. Mm. Uh, they're really good at that, but anything downstream from that, it's it's just not their logistics, uh, packaging, branding. Marketing. It's, it's just it's just not what they do, right? Okay. Yeah. And so and so, what were some of the challenges uh, that you witnessed during the pandemic in terms of food security and distribution? Oh, in fact, actually, we didn't see challenges. Mm. We saw hope. Okay. Yeah. So they were joking when. Uh, because they were sending food aid packs into into the villages during during the lockdowns, and then they gave them like five kilo bags of rice, like 
once every three months mm. and like some some small packs of like uh, Maggie's and stuff and they were joking that if we were had if we had to depend on this I think we, we would Stop. all die you know <laughs> and and they were and they were joking you can take back your five kilo of rice and we have tons like you know one harvest we can feed ourselves for three years you know mm. we can start giving out to people like in need and and that's when we really appreciate like what they actually have the real asset that they have is the environment mm. and the whole agriculture practice and the whole agriculture system that they have there, like this so-called okay. traditional system that... Yeah. So, yeah. So, so tell me more. I mean, and how did you... Yeah, how, how, what, what is so different about their farming methods? Um, yeah. So because they, they are in such a remote area, like industrial agriculture never never arrived. So they practice farming as what most laymen would think of agriculture to be, you know, mm. like you plant and then you have to harvest, you keep your seed and then you plant again the next year. And my and that's not how conventional farming is done today. Okay. You know, every single step of conventional farming is um, you have a specific uh, enterprise doing that, you know, mm. but for them, they have full control of, of, of everything. So they don't have to rely on inputs. They don't have to buy seeds. They don't, they, they have everything in there. Like they could just live indefinitely in there like right. with, with okay. subsistence, it's, right? So yeah. it's it's a circular economy on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much, right? Mm-hmm. And it's naturally fertilized as well because every harvest, they actually release the buffalo into the fields. Okay. And buffaloes will eat the stalks and then they, they, they put back yeah, okay. <laughs> into the field and it's a naturally fertilized environment already. Right. So, yeah. okay. So the thing is they are self-sustaining in that sense, but of mm. course they do need income to, for education exactly. or what have you. Mm. So that's moving yeah. on, right? Um, And then, of course, um, how you got in there, working with them. We'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm here with Chan Zizyang and Lilian Chen from Langit Collective. Stay tuned to Open for Business, BFM 89.9. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Good morning. This is Frida Liu. You're listening to Open for Business. I'm here speaking to Chan Zixiang and Lilian Chen from Langit Collective. And what they do is they promote a unique and heirloom agricultural produced by smallholder farmers from East Malaysia to larger markets. So, you know, you talked about how you've been there since 2013 and established as a business in 2018, right? You know, how was it like working with them, getting accepted, you know, these Westies, as you call yourself, <laughs> you know, into East Malaysia or Ramsmanjok? <laughs> Um, I think we 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 earned their badge as well uh, to to okay. be accepted into the community. Uh, but uh, back in 2013, we as I mentioned, we work for a non-profit organization, and uh, it's the community that we have been working with since then. And that's when we recognize that they have such good quality products that we can help to promote in a larger market. Right. Um, and it's also because we work on the ground. You're and there. We're there. We work on the ground directly with our farmers. Mm. And uh, Z spent years working on the ground, planting mm. and harvesting. Right. Um, I, I think, hence I think, the tan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, I think the, the term is actually in the ground. Yes. Like, okay. I mean, because I was actually farming. So speaking about badges, um, but I was actually farming with the community since 2017. Like right. so, working with them, like actually hand planting, hand harvesting, and also trying out some of the um, more interesting uh, regenerative way of farming. Mm. And uh, back then, you know, we didn't really speak the the local language, right. and so we were with our um, early adopter farmers, and we we're just doing it. And there were like you know villagers passing by, and then mm. they. 
so, and then they were hollering at each other and then suddenly they burst out laughing okay. and uh, I found out later that you know they were it, it was it was a running joke like in the village that hey you know um, people usually get Indonesians you know uh, and then, <laughs> And you're getting a city kit from KL to help you out in the fields, you know. So, so and and two years two years down the road, when right. you know, I understood I understood a little bit more about the language. It was a very different tone because people are coming to me and asking me about, "Hey, how's your field doing?" You know, like so it's like you know, batch of like you know, right. you are now a farmer, you're legit farmer, you're right? Speaking club yeah. uh, I speak Lumbawang, a Lumba little bit Wang, of Lumbawang. Yeah. I wouldn't okay. say that I'm fluent, but right. I could understand a fair bit. Yeah. And you guys have local names now. Yes, yep. you are. Uh, my name is Gitwen, which is the star. The star. My name is Acho, which is the sun. Oh. And then the two other uh, partners are uh, Bulan and... Uh, Bulan is Bulan. Bulan okay. is Bulan. Udan is uh, rain. So ah. hence when we came together and formed uh, Langit, you know, it, it, makes, ah. it makes sense. It makes sense why it's Langit, right? And every time yeah. when we went back to the village, our villagers would joke like, oh, anak-anak Langit sudah balik. Oh, yeah. so, okay. Uh, and, and when we had the idea of starting a social enterprise, it, it makes sense to okay. call ourselves. So I know last year, you were there for nine months, yep. right? You were basically <laughs> stuck there, but nine out of year, and uh, they, they didn't kick you out after 90 days. Thank you. Because <laughs> you couldn't, right? Because you couldn't yep. get out. Yep. As well, um, and you know why is it important to be on the ground, right? Rather than just being that middle person and packaging it nicely, and yet not being involved. I think I think it's it's actually really understand what you're saying, right? So mm. this is not a place where you could go to Google and then you could start writing up a research paper just based on your research, which is right. all online. Because this this village is off grid. You have no information about it. Then, unless you start speaking some of the language, there are certain things that are just not available to you. And I think for that's really in our DNA. Like, mm. and also that's sort of our asset. Mm. So, as Leland mentioned, we're working with the uh, our work with the NGO actually eased us into it. Mm. So, I think one of the core um, skills that we had from that was actually community consultation. Mm. And how do you actually approach community? We have seen too many. Um, projects that came in with that savior mentality, okay. right? Oh, you guys, poor thing. You know, we mm. are coming in. We have, we are going to help you. We are going to give this to you. You know, and and that doesn't work. Like right. it, it, it's it's a nice piece of PR, right. but you know, on uh, if you if you stretch the timeline a little bit longer to mm. five ten years, you you rarely you see something that's really sustainable and okay. something that's really impactful and and we know from the very beginning that uh, from from our work previously that that was infrastructure and that was meant to be short term in the sense that you don't have we built it and then it's now serving the community mm. but economic projects are long term like you have to be invested for the long term things don't change within three to five years right. and things are even slower when you're talking about rural communities mm. and agriculture one cycle is one year so we are not in tech, you know, you do, it, you know, a few thousand reiterations like in seconds or in minutes, right. you know. So this is like once a year, one reiteration a year. So one life, one life, um, a whole life of 50 years, you're doing 50 reiterations. Uh, so yeah. think about that, right? Yeah. Do you feel that technology with, you know, with internet and everything or whatever would make a difference in terms of what they're doing or will it actually not benefit them? How would technology, is it more the, the technology coming in for the education for the kids is more mm -hmm. that, but mm -hmm. not the farming process? So you see, the thing about technology is agnostic, right? So mm. it, it depends on 
how suitable it is to the community and to its particular environment, right? So it's not as if like you go to Thailand or you go to Japan and then, you know, they can they can automate everything and it's just plucking that out and then plant it into, into this community, right? Because agriculture, the culture part is there. Mm. So with mm. too much technology, uh, at least for our in our context, the culture part is going to be completely lost. You're right. taking the people out of it and there's no people, there's no culture. Right. But that also means that there is also room for technology. So for okay. example, what, what we did in, in the community is to collect data because mm. there's no data available anywhere yeah. uh, in the system. Uh, we use drone to collect data. Mm. So those are kind of the technology that, that we can adopt into uh, ah. our system as well. And um, because that we have collected those data, we are able to trace back all our rights. And this, we can actually uh, translate that to our consumers as well. Okay. So every packaging that you see now, uh, we have a QR code mm. that you can scan. Okay. And it will tell you where it comes from and at which plot it was planted by which farmer. Right. And you get all these different strains of rice, yes. right? Which yeah. is heirloom. Mm-hmm. Why is that important as well? So, uh, I, I, you know, as, as, as we talked about it earlier, you know, they're really connoisseurs of rice. Mm. And um, we realised that... Uh, they had so much and, and they just know this like intuitively like because from young and then yeah. out in the market people will uh, differentiate rice by their origin mm. like they will probably say basmati is from India jasmine yeah. rice is from Thailand mm-hmm. and maybe sushi rice from Japan, Japan you know but we, we found that actually you do need to understand uh, a lot more about your rice, mm. especially when we went into it. And we have more than 30 varieties, actually, that are still being planted and consumed by the communities. But maybe not all of the varieties are being planted in such a big amount. So that's mm. why we currently carry five. And this is actually important in terms of biodiversity, right? So if you really, if you go to um, conventional paddy fields, like maybe mm. Sakinchan or any of the Chalapangs, you know, you have this beautiful all green and then when they, they are ripened, they are all brown, gold, golden gold, yellow yeah. you know great for us <laughs> for us like certain plots are like purple oh. you know and and if you could see that even even the stalks that they have like this purple tint at the side of the of the leaves and then mm. and, and then when it fruits and when it, uh, when when it's um, ripened oh, certain plots are like different colors so you realize that that's pure diversity and that's how it's meant to be right right so it's not a monoculture it's mm. not a monoculture. And it's important to have this because the, re- the resiliency of the place. Mm. And if one particular strain were, were, to, were to catch something, you know, you right. have another 29, for example. Yep. Right. And, and how do you manage, uh, you know, pests and, and disease and all that? Mm-hmm. What goes into mm-hmm. that? Yeah, so that's, that's the, that's the uh, most common question that we get. Okay. And, and I'm glad Mumbai, I got there. In, in, <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 well, at least for at least for people in agriculture, right? Mm. Because conventional farmers have this hard time converting into organic because they will also what do I substitute my my pesticides with? You know, mm. if I'm organic agriculture, then they're pretty surprised when we say that we don't use anything because. Um, interestingly, in the Lumbao language, we don't have a particular word about pest. You know, hmm. a direct translation. They have names for the insects and and things that. Okay. Uh, within the ecosystem, but they're not being seen as something that you need to eradicate. Like hmm. this is bad and this is good. And everything is sort of in a balance. Right. Yes, you definitely lose some to some to some okay. of these insects. But, but it's, it's not the, the circle of life. Yes, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit of paying tax, right? Yeah. So so as in as as in you give them a little bit and, and they, they maintain that whole ecosystem okay, for right. you. And it's it's not that you have nothing to eat. Like they, they one one season yeah. of harvest can feed them for three years. So what's 
what's you know a few hands, handfuls for the for the insects you know okay yeah so so that whole concept is very different so so it's we can't use a conventional farming lens and then just you know um, superimpose it onto what they're doing right. and then try to get that like the whole base concept and the philosophy is different mm. yeah okay what goes into marketing and packaging your products and how is that important um well Everything goes into marketing and packaging, <laughs> yeah. uh, including of you know QC mm. and all that stuff, uh, and it's all done here in in Peninsula. Uh, we started uh, with our very iconic packaging, uh, the vacuum the pack brick. and uh, transparent, right. rectangular, the rectangular, yeah. and, and they then, make um, really great gifts. Yes, okay. yes, just and, a season. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh. And that was actually uh, our intention of doing it because we've seen a lot of good quality products in Malaysia that is not being packaged properly yeah, and it doesn't represent Malaysia. Mm. And uh, what we did was actually to get people to uh, be interested because not many people know about, you know, our Baras Adan or Baras Sia. Um, and when we came up with that kind of packaging, people get interested mm. and then they'll come over and say, what is this? Is this soap? Is this brick? And <laughs> that's when our entry point of educating them, no, yeah. this is rice from Sarawak, it's from the Lumbawang people. So, um, and that get a lot of attention from people and uh, because we started with gifting, so... Um, the very first time when we brought in the rice, it was for Christmas gift. Mm. So we sold jute bags, we put it in the bag and we sell it as Christmas gift. And, and um, people like it mm. and they think that, oh, this is very Malaysian because right. it's rice. Yes. And, and it's it's a nice uh, uh, global standard yes. as well, but you can tell it's Malaysian, Correct. makes great gifts. Yep. Um, you have other products that you feature on your website as yep. well, right? Who, uh, and from soy sauce, and that's where I discovered some new things as mm-hmm. well. Who mm-hmm. do you decide to put, you know, on your website? Uh, generally, people that shares the same ideology as us, mm. um, because over the years we've we have also worked, um, you know, in terms of not just rice, but with the uh, pepper farmers as well as mm. ginger farmers in Sabah and Sarawak. Um, we, we love to work with uh, farmers that still practices sustainable farming mm. and retain some of their cultural aspects as well. And also, um, not just farmers, but producers that, that um, look at the, um, the cultural aspect behind it, like mm. Mu artisans, for example. Mm. Uh, they are the third generation of uh, soy sauce making in, yes. in, um, in Peninsula. I, mm. I think the base... The base philosophy here is about quality. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want run-of-the-mill stuff. We want things that are representative of mm. Malaysia. Like if it's something that you will be proud to, mm. to carry out from Malaysia and give it to, to a friend overseas, mm. you know, that's sort of like in our circle, like something represent, that can represent us. And, you know, we have sometimes heard this, like I've, said, I've, I've given these people like pewters three times, you know, like <laughs> there, there has to be something else, you know, there has to be something else. How many pewters do I need? <laughs> I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, the pewters yes. are great, but we need more. Yes. Yeah, we need more. And, and so that's sort of like the, the kind of... Um, uh, the idea that, that that got stuck with us, you know, okay. we want something that's represented. So moving forward, how do you plan to scale this? Is funding required? What I know you've got the, I know you've invested in a huge, uh, well, a milling facility, right? That really helps, you know, prevent wastage and all that. But moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely we need, uh, we are actually looking at uh, potential partners like mm. um, 
to to scale up because the the meal is important because it's actually a, a a crucial piece in actually our next step up to scale. So if we are going to be getting a lot more stock, like in terms of supply, we definitely need more. Um, uh, partners in terms of uh, to actually you know uh, distribute out mm. and also for ourselves like capital there's mm. definitely working something capital, yeah, yeah working capital that's something that we're looking at mm. right now yeah okay All right anything to add um, I think we're also looking at um, like what Z mentioned partners that uh, would like to work with us in distributing it to more um, areas and also people are willing to bring it to a wider stage which is right. the international market um, rice is a little bit tougher because there's a lot of red tapes and mm. government um, you know uh, procedures but we have other uh, products like uh, pepper and ginger, ginger that is equally good quality right. that, that can go overseas the best so, peppers from Sarawak exactly right. exactly uh, <laughs> so wish all the best and of course you know if you want to check them out go to langitcollective.com.my or is it just langit.com.my? Langit.com.my. Langit.com.my. Okay, Langit.com.my, you can get all the rice or if you're, you know, going to Dewakan, know that the rice, right, is from the heartland of Sarawak. Thanks to the folks at Langit Collective. I've been speaking to Chan Zixiang and Lillian Chen from Langit Collective. This is Open for Business, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app 